Blessed be the name of the Lord. We're happy to have um, the privilege. It'll come. Thank you. Um, it was a privilege to be here, of course. <clears throat> but then beyond that, uh, I think our guests here from my sister Ruth find it a privilege to be here this morning. Uh, Paul and Esther, would you please stand? Thank you. Uh, they are from Czech Czech Republic. It used to be Czechoslovakia. Okay, good. Thank you. And you are a pastor, right? You have been here for six months. Uh, for ten months. Yeah, we're already here seven months. Seven months. Okay, good. So we look forward to being with you later today. But for now, um, we want to be uh, looking at God's word and be blessed together. Um, <clears throat> this morning. Because of the uh, technical part that I have not been able to keep step with. I'm not up in the pulpit, but I'm here on the floor, which feels just all right. <laughs> um, so this morning's message is, God prepares the bride for his son. <clears throat> what I want to be showing here is that God has uh, three things especially. While God does much great work beyond what I can comprehend, <clears throat> we want to be looking just a little bit at God's selection and his direction and his expansion. And that will... Uh, cover from Genesis 1-1 to the end of Revelation. Um, so we'll just drop in there every so often, get a few things that hopefully would be for our exhortation here this morning. And um, God had created man, of course, and he has, for mankind, has these th three things especially. Uh, selection and direction and expansion. God made everything after its kind. Man, he must choose to win or to lose. So as we look at it here this morning, this message is not given as an evangelical message, but it could be that if somebody wants to receive the Lord Jesus Christ as his Savior, that could be possible. Boys, girls, anyone, we can be saved today. We can be saved here in this assembly. If God calls in you to be saved and respond to the Lord Jesus, then do that and uh, join in that direction. God's program goes in one direction. There was the creation. 4,000 B.C., God made two people. That's it. Two people. And when you think about um, what God had arranged in creation, for instance, how corn multiplies, because one ear of corn has how many seeds? I don't know, 100 or more. <clears throat> Or other things, too. 
So that he has given everything with a seed within itself. So God doesn't go about recreating. You know, when we had, well, when I was a boy. Now I'm straying already. <laughs> when I was a boy, my dad would get um, uh, this mash in 100-pound bags to feed the broilers. We had 200 broilers in one little place and 300 another place, and we were feeding broilers. This is now in the 1940s, latter 1940s. And I would take this mash, and I would make a plateau here, and then I would have a place to go down with cars and trucks and tractors down here, and then make another level place here, and then put another place over there, and so on. Uh, but then whenever you would scoop out anything, any mash for the chickens, then I have to redo that. But I didn't mind, because I enjoyed doing that. It, it kind of fed my creativity, you know? So anyhow, but God doesn't do that. God made everything with a seed within itself so that everything prospers and produces. And what else? Reproduces. So God made two people. And then there was Noah. And already there is selection. Noah, the Bible says, was a righteous man. <clears throat> and so we would say that with Noah, um, well, we might say that God made a new beginning. No. No. It was an expansion of his program. I will be telling you that God never made a new beginning. Everything God did was an expansion Selection, direction, and expansion. Including the law of Moses was, of course, we know it was replaced by grace as a means for justification and righteousness, but it was an expansion of it and not a replacement for it. And then we have um, Abram. He was righteous. God chose Abram, and this was, um, well, 4,000 B.C., you see it there, and then uh, 2,400 years B.C., then 2,000 B.C., <clears throat> and then there was Moses, and he was 1,400 B.C. He was a righteous man. You can see that in each of these, there was... Selection. Creation, selection, selection, selection. Selection is based on God's call and the individual's acceptance. <clears throat> the same is true today. <clears throat> Pardon me. <clears throat> so why didn't God select other people? Why didn't he call other people? Well, God, who knows all things, knew what was in the heart of these men and how they would be disposed to following him. Today, God calls everyone. He has placed the call of the gospel to be saved to everyone, to the whole world. Look unto me and be saved, all the ends of the earth. And people today are being saved at many places in the world. And the gospel of the kingdom is progressing under God's direction and what else? His, his what? Expansion. Right. Mm -hmm. And so, I see Carl Kaufman back there. He's uh, 
very interested, I see. Um, so they're planning to move to Connecticut this summer. That's under God's selection, direction, and expansion, you see. That's what we've had with our church outreaches. It's what we'll have happening this summer, God willing. It'll be that. And we bless these people that will be moving to Connecticut and there receiving God's further direction and God's expansion. <clears throat> the same is true today. Well, I already gave you that as an illustration. God never changes. In Malachi 3.6 it says, For I am the Lord, I change not. Therefore ye sons of Jacob are not consumed. We'll have the next. Here in the use of the overhead projector, we have then the Exodus. Talk, let's talk about that a bit. There were um, 70 people that moved uh, to Egypt. 70 souls, the Bible says. And when they came out, it is thought that there were 2 million to 3 million people. I never saw that many people together. I don't recall that I did. <clears throat> I did. I, I tried to do a little math here. In going from 70 people to two and a half million in 430 years would require uh, people to double their numbers every 25 years. Is that realistic? Well, Steve Nolt, who, is, um, who has done a lot of studies among plain people, Amish and Mennonites, he has determined that um, in a certain section of years there, I think 19, let's say 1970 to 1995, in, in one generation anyhow, toward the end of the century, the past century, <clears throat> he said that Amish have doubled their numbers every 15 years. Every 15 years. And so, thinking about people doubling their numbers every 25 years to get to that many in 430 years' time, uh, is realistic. <clears throat> the Jewish people were a people of his own and still are. They are referred to in the Old, Testaments, uh, Old Testament prophets as the wife of God. We're talking here this morning. We're going toward the idea of God preparing a bride for his son. Which means that there is an engagement period. Which means that that's now. Israel was spoken of as the wife of God. Not, not, the, not the bride. <clears throat> that's someone else. That comes later. <clears throat> Israel is, are the people of God <clears throat> and they are the children of Israel. <coughs> God made a covenant with Abraham which is still in force. They had faltered, fell, got up, fell again, carried away captive. Their national lights went out for them approximately 400 years. They're before Christ and stayed out for another 1900 some years until 1948 when they became a nation. <clears throat> So God gave the, um, 
God, um, here I'm asking the question, did God start over when um, he brought Israel out of Egypt and established them as a nation? Did he start over? No. We're trying to say, and we are saying, that God never started over. It was all that God did throughout all history was always an expansion of the original idea. And the original idea, what was that? Well, that was with the idea of a people that are redeemed and brought again back to himself. And where is that back to himself? Well, that's up. (laughs) And will we go up someday? Oh, sure. The Bible says we'll be caught up someday. So we had here start out with Adam and Eve, and then there was Noah and Abraham and Moses and David and further. Genealogies are, uh, the genealogies are um, recorded. So, and that is important so that we have connection all the way back to Adam. Extremely important. Boring, boringly important. <laughs> Boring perhaps to us. But if it weren't there, people would say, ha, oh, too many gaps. We can't believe this. No, it's all there. And the closer that people look, and people have looked very closely, they've found connection with the original creation. Isn't that amazing? It's simple, and the closer you look, the more detail you find that supports it. Mm -hmm. So 550 years before Christ, Judah went into captivity. Israel had gone into captivity before that. You know, there, was two na- there were those two nations. Zero years before Christ. And I know that they say that Jesus was born 4 B.C., but just for the sake of our simple country terms and easiest for us to understand, let's say we've come to zero B.C. God's time clock. We had Adam and Eve, and then we had um, Noah and Abraham and Moses, and finally Judah. So at about 550 B.C., they went into captivity. So... Time to go now to Luke, chapter 2. Luke chapter 1, pardon me. Luke chapter 1. Um, you shouldn't go too far into your sermon and start, until you start reading from God's Word. Now, uh, Mena Coons had said one time that um, a person shouldn't go very far into his sermon until he says something. <laughs> so... <laughs> We've been trying to do a little of that. But right now, reading in Luke chapter 1. Luke 1, 26 and following. And in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God unto a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin espoused to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And the angel came in unto her and said, Hail, thou that art highly favored, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. And when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying, and cast in her mind what manner of salutation this should be. And the angel said unto her, Fear not, Mary, 
For thou hast found favor with God. And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb, and bring forth his son, and shalt call his name Jesus. He shall be great, and shall be called the Son of the Highest. And the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David. And he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there shall be no end. Thou shalt have... Uh, he shall be great... <clears throat> And shall be called the son of the highest. I'd like to highlight the word the. The article the, understand, means that it's one. A one and only. Not a son, but the son. He is the son of God. And as such, will establish the kingdom of God. As a one and only son of God. And one and only kingdom. Then we have here to notice again, we have just read the angel's word spoken to Mary, the birth of Christ at 0 BC, or if you prefer, 4 BC. There is the cross, and in between here we have all the gospels, and a wonderful record it is. And then there's the resurrection. The powerful and mighty resurrection of the Son of God. And then there's Pentecost. And there's Paul and John. And there's Peter and Stephen and Cornelius. And the whole thing suddenly bursts open, wide open, and expands with tremendous power and thrust with a message. <clears throat> so there is selection. And there is direction. And there is expansion. <clears throat> I want to read now in Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2 is a wonderful passage. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as of fire, and it sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost, and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. <clears throat> and there were dwelling at Jerusalem Jews, devout men, out of every nation under heaven. Got that? Every nation. Well. <clears throat> now when this was noised abroad, the multitude came together and were confounded because that every man heard them speak in his own language. And they were all amazed and marveled, saying one to another, Behold, are not all these which speak Galileans? And then it gives countries that were represented. Seventeen countries. And on the maps, it shows that, for instance, those from um, Medes, and Elamites, and Mesopotamia, and uh, some of those places are way east. Where's east? This way. Way east. Far away. And uh, Cyrene. Wait a minute. Am I right? 
um, Egypt, in the parts of Libya, about Cyrene. That's way down there on the lower side of the Mediterranean. And from Rome, on the upper side of the Mediterranean. And when you look at a map, this is pretty exciting. <clears throat> it was the birthday of the church, what I just read here. It, was, it is the bride of Christ being brought onto the world scene. Did God start over? No. No. This is expansion. This is expanded what God was doing from the beginning of the creation. What was happening at the giving of the law. What was happening with the prophets of the Old Testament. What was happening with the birth of Christ. The death and resurrection of Christ. The ascension. The coming of the Holy Spirit, Pentecost. It's all expansion. And as there were more people, the potential was only expanded further. That's wonderful for us to think about being a part of that. Actually, pretty exciting. God had poured out his mercy and loving kindness and grace upon Israel for nearly 2,000 years. Israel was not a mistake. God makes no mistakes. God had given to Israel the promise and the oath. And I want to be reading now from Hebrews chapter 6 about the promise and the oath. This is, um, uh, uh, well, quite interesting and exciting and precious and a number of things, other things like that. Hebrews 6. <clears throat> and I'll read verses 12 through 20. That ye be not slothful, that is lazy, either in thought or activity. That ye be not slothful, but followers of them who through faith and patience inherit the promises. For when God made promise to Abraham, because he could swear by no greater, he swore by himself, saying... Surely blessing I will bless thee, and multiplying I will multiply thee. And so after he had patiently endured, he obtained, obtained the promise. For men verily swear by them greater, and an oath for confirmation is to them an end of all strife. We're in God, willing more abundantly to show unto the heirs of promise the immutability of his counsel, confirmed it by an oath that by two immutable things in which it was impossible for God to lie, we might have a strong consolation who have fled for refuge to lay hold upon the hope set before us, which hope we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast, and which entereth into that within the veil whither the forerunner is for us entered. Even Jesus made a high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. So what we have here is that God swear by an oath. Pardon me. What we have here is that God made promise to Abraham. And then to give the full strength to that promise, he confirmed it, confirmed it by a what? 
an oath. So we would say he double stacked it. Here's the promise and here's the oath. Either one of these, he says, is immutable as far as God is concerned. The immutability of God means that his promise is a promise. But to affirm that on the way that God, a man is to affirm with two or three witnesses, God brings in from himself, mind you, God brings in from himself the promise and the oath. As a double witness of what God surely will do. <laughs> to me, that gets, that gets very exciting. And that shows the expansion of God, that it is for sure. So God started out with two people, right? And then by the time that about 4,000 years had passed, it looked like the whole thing was a failure. His people were scattered like sheep out on the mountains. Who would be there to declare God and his righteousness? And in the midst of the 400 silent years, when the heaven was as lead and darkness was upon the people, because the Bible says that the people who sat in darkness have seen a what? A great light. People who sat in darkness. That means they just plumb give up. No hope. Sat in darkness. To them, light has sprung up. Light has emerged. There is selection. And there is direction. And there is expansion. This was not a new beginning. This is all planned in the mind of God, which uh, we can well take up in Ephesians chapter 1 and just see a little bit how this was as Paul, by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, <coughs> goes about... <coughs> goes about writing Ephesians 1, verse 7. In whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of his grace, wherein he hath abounded toward us in all wisdom and prudence, having made known unto us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, in which, which he had purposed in himself, that in the dispensation of the fullness of times he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth, even in him, in whom also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestinated according to the purpose of him who worketh all things after the counsel of his own will, that we should be to the praise of his glory who first trusted in Christ. So God had all this in mind from the beginning. There was a beginning, and out of that beginning, there was never really a makeover and a completely new beginning. It was always expansion. In the study of God's Word, it is just so exciting to see how this progresses. 
It's what we call progressive doctrine, is one of the things that uh, would be a parallel idea with it. That direction that God has given to all this is with purpose and with a plan and with a future and a conclusion. <clears throat> so, doing a little drawing, I give that. There it is, just to put it in um, kind of a picture for our minds, that there's the Word of God, and from that we learn somewhat about God's selection and His direction, of course, and then, especially for now, expansion. How does that make you feel? You have been a very quiet audience. But I would like a response. Um, what shall we do? I'm suggesting that the men will, together with my cue, say hallelujah, and the women will say amen. You ready? Hallelujah. Amen. Do it again. And we're going to do it stronger this time. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Good. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> I want to read the passage now in Luke chapter 12. Luke 12. And reading now from verse 34 through 48. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Let your loins be girded about, and your lights burning. And ye yourselves like unto men that wait for their Lord, when he would return from the wedding, that when he cometh and knocketh, they may open unto him immediately. This is about a wedding. We're talking about a bride, and we're going to move on toward toward a wedding. As unto men, when he will return from the wedding, that when he cometh and knocketh, they may open unto him immediately. Blessed are those servants, whom the Lord, when he cometh, shall find watching. Verily I say unto you, that he shall gird himself, and make them to sit down to meat, that is food, and will come forth and serve them. And if he shall come in the second watch, or come in the third watch, and find them so... Blessed are those servants. And this know, that if the goodman of the house had known what hour of the thief would come, he would have watched and not have uh, suffered his house to be broken through. Be ye therefore ready also, for the Son of Man cometh at an hour when ye think not. Then Peter said unto him, Lord, speakest thou this parable unto us, or even to all? And the Lord said, Who then is that faithful and wise steward, whom his Lord shall make ruler over his household, to give them their portion of meat or food in due season. Blessed is that servant, whom his Lord, when he cometh, shall find so doing. Of a truth I say unto you, that he will make him ruler over all that he hath. But and if that servant say in his heart, My Lord delayeth his coming, and shall begin to beat the men's servants and maidens, and, be, and to eat and drink and be drunken, 
the Lord of that servant will come in a day when he looketh not for him, at, <clears throat> and at an hour when he is not aware, and will cut him in sunder, and will appoint him his portion with the unbelievers. And that servant which knew his Lord's will, and prepared not himself, neither did according to his will, shall be beaten with many stripes. But he that knew not, and did commit things worthy of stripes, shall be beaten with few stripes. For unto whomsoever much is given, of him shall be much required. And of whom men have committed much, of him will they ask the more. <clears throat> now when Jesus comes again, have you ever thought about, this would be now when we're caught up. Um, some people don't like the use of the word rapture because they say it's not in the Bible. But you know what? And they use other words that aren't in the Bible either. <laughs> but anyhow, let's just say, let's just say, hmm, yeah, let's just say uh, when we are caught up. When we are caught up, how many people will there be? Want to venture a guess? So how many people do we have in the world right now? A couple billion? Seven billion plus. We are going toward eight billion. Would it be kind to would it be kind to to estimate that there will be a billion? I'm looking to these older men up front here, and they are all, they are all um, quite postured. They're not indicating. <laughs> all those who are in Christ Jesus will go. Amen. All those in Christ Jesus. Who's that? God knows. God knows. He won't miss one. That's right. But let's say, just for the sake of our discussion, Let's say there will be a billion. Huh? Are we okay so far? <clears throat> and um, now, the world population really took off after World War II. I saw a graph one time in Reader's Digest that indicated the population of the world, what they had uh, proposed from the creation, did not, did not go up very fast. Because... People didn't live long. Um, well, there was just a lot of mortality. But with the advance of medicines and diet and prosperity, when you get to the 40s, especially the 50s, it went up like this. And the population of the world, while it was fairly flat, uh, in some incline, but all of a sudden it went way up, way up. So the population of the world has been really increasing. So let's say there will be a billion that will be caught up and that there were a billion righteous before this. That'd be two billion. Can you imagine a heaven with two billion people? Somebody is saying in their hearts, oh, I thought when I get there, I'm going to have space. It'll be a place. 
but I want space. Well, me too. Now, in um, biblical marriage, I understand that they would uh, have that marriage going on for, um, what, seven days, right? Seven days. How about that now? Anybody here that's contemplating marriage? Have seven days of feasting and of singing and of sharing and of stories and you get up the next morning, hey, it's only the third day. <laughs> seven days. Hmm? <clears throat> so, well, this marriage... When Jesus comes for his bride, and there will be the marriage supper of the Lamb, we understand. Um, do, you, do you imagine it maybe instead of seven days, hmm, it'll be seven years? <laughs> How do you like that? Seven years for the marriage supper of the Lamb. Now, since the Bible does say that to the Lord, uh, one day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years is one day, you know where we're going? We're going toward having a marriage supper of the Lamb for 7,000 years. <laughs> Any takers? <laughs> well, whatever. You know, whatever God hasn't has a plan. But then how long is eternity? A thousand years? Million years? Billion years? Trillion years? How long is eternity? Forever. It is forever. So what's seven thousand years out of forever? Not real long. I don't know. I like to think that in heaven there is going to be a wonderful time. There will be pageantry. There will be, there will be celebration. There will be, it is, the, it is the, the son of God receiving his bride. His bride is the church. And if there are, I'm saying if, if there are two billion people, actually, that will be there. I'd like to think that God, who can bring about such a world, not only a world as we know it, but a universe. <coughs> now we're talking about things we don't, even, we don't even know everything yet about the universe. So if, since God can make a world such as we see it with continuity and a universe that even the smartest and most powerful cannot find out all about it, then God, I think, can easily provide that what we'll be experiencing in heaven will be as though we had a front row seat.
We have some famous chorus groups coming here sometimes, and people come early because they want to sit up front. That's fine. That's quite okay. But in heaven, two billion people, we need space. I don't know how, how, how this seems to you, but it seems to me that in heaven, there will be no frustration. However that will be, the Almighty God will provide in a way that we will be fulfilled as we had never been before in this earth life. That's the promise. And I would just, I, I would just, um, I would just desire that everyone I meet and everyone I see would all be people that would be ready to go, that would be caught up. So that's why we still work. That's why we still serve. We're witnesses to help people to not miss that day. Oh, Matthew, pardon me, Revelation 19. Revelation 19, we'll go there. You ought to page that in your Bible. This is, this is a wonderful and powerful passage. Revelation 19. And after these things, I heard a great voice of much people in heaven saying, Hallelujah! Was that the men? And the women said, Amen. It says, and saying, Hallelujah. Everybody will say, Hallelujah! Salvation and glory and honor and power unto the Lord our God. For true and righteous are his judgments. For he hath judged the great whore, which did corrupt the earth with her fornication, and hath avenged the blood of his servants at her hand. And again they said, and again they said, Hallelujah! I'm restraining my voice. I could just shout. Hallelujah! In heaven, this is. And again they said, Hallelujah! And her smoke rose up forever and ever. And the four and twenty elders and the four beasts fell down and worshipped God that sat on the throne, saying, the women said, Amen, and the men said, Hallelujah. Well, everybody, it was Amen and Hallelujah. Mm -hmm. And verse 5, and a voice came out of the throne, saying, Praise our God, all ye his servants, and ye that fear him, both small and great. And I heard, as it were, the voice of a great multitude, and as the voice of many waters, and of the voice of mighty thunderings, saying, Hallelujah, for the Lord God omnipotent reigneth. Let us be glad and rejoice, and give honor to him, for the marriage of the Lamb is come. And his wife hath made herself ready. And to her was granted that she should be arrayed in fine linen, clean and white, for the fine linen is the righteousness of saints. And he saith unto me, Write, Blessed are they which are called unto the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he saith unto me, These are the true sayings of God. And I fell at his feet to worship him. And he said unto me, See thou do it not. I am thy fellow servant, and of thy brethren that have the testimony of Jesus. Worship God. For the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. I'm wanting to find out what that is. I'm eager to find out what that is. 
People said, did you write the book of Revelation yet? I said, no, I want to. I'm eager to do it. But I need that, I need that direction from God. So, we have here, um, we have here then, um, this, <laughs> this, <laughs> well, I just decided to bring this along just this morning because I just got finished writing First Thessalonians, and what a wonderful and powerful blessing that was in my life. I'm now in Second Thessalonians. <laughs> Not always sure about how to write these things. But God has inspired my heart and my pen. So that for the, this passage in 1 Thessalonians 4, this is what I did. <laughs> There's the shout. There's the voice of the archangel. And there's the trump of God. And I think it will be worldwide. I think, oh Lord. Oh Lord, I'm ready. And we desire the Lord to come. But he lets us keep on in our work, keep on in our witness, keep on in our lives until he comes. He knows when the best time is. So we have then Revelation 21. In Revelation 21, you should be reading it, looking at it there in your Bible also. Revelation 21, and we want to be looking at verses 15 and 16. And, um, well, Revelation 21 really should be, um, um, we should really read a bit more about this new Jerusalem in, in verse 1. Revelation 21, 1. And I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth were passed away, and there was no more sea. And I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people, and God himself shall be with them and be their God. And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. And there shall be no more death, neither sorrow, nor crying. Neither shall there be any more pain. For the former things are passed away. And he that sat upon the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said unto me, Write, for these words are true and faithful. So, there was a new beginning. <clears throat> Is that right? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> Not a new beginning. There was the continuing direction of God. His selection now is for all men everywhere to repent. That's the selection. And the direction is that people should believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, whom he sent into the world, who died for our sins, shed his blood, 
and God raised him again, and he ascended to glory, and he will come back. For that, there will be a big, another expansion. He has chosen us in him before the foundation of the world. I think it would be a time again for the men to say hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Revelation 19.7 Let us be glad and rejoice and give honor to him for the marriage of the Lamb is come and his wife hath made herself ready. What is this? Oh, that's a map you would recognize. Map of the United States. And we have here on this map, well, <clears throat> there is, you know, um, uh, the city in here, uh, Revelation 21, and uh, verse 14 and several verses. And the wall of the city had 12 foundations, and in them the names of the 12 apostles of the Lamb. And he that talked with me had a golden reed to measure the city, and the gates thereof, and the wall thereof. And the city lieth foursquare, and the length is as large as a breadth. And he measured the city with the reed, 12,000 furlongs. The length, and the breadth, and the height of it are equal. So how, how far is 12,000 furlongs? Well, I understand that to be 1,500 miles. So we have 1,500 miles. <clears throat> um, from 1,500 miles from Pennsylvania would take you out to where? Kansas? Um, the Kansas people say, they smile a bit and say, you know, we, we say about going out west when we go to Kansas. <laughs> what about Eli? <laughs> go out west. <laughs> and um, um, is it right uh, that when you get to Kansas, you're about halfway to the Pacific Ocean? <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah. So you have about 1,500 miles, and uh, you aren't near the Pacific yet. So, people that go from Pennsylvania to their French shop in Kansas, do that one day? You don't? Okay, you do it one day. Mm -hmm. How many days and nights did that take? Like, how many hours? One day. So, usually people do it, people do it in two days. Yeah, okay. You allow that, right? Okay. Thanks. Yeah, two days. So my daughter lives in Mississippi, and her husband's folks live up here in Manitoba, and they take two days. 700 miles is decent for one day, uh, if you have a good car. <laughs> um, so this New Jerusalem is 1,500 miles wide, both directions, and that would be, um, well, let's see, that would be about like, mm, no, here, 
Here's what I want. That, okay, there we are. That would be like um, including Pennsylvania all the way to a bit of Colorado. And would be from here the Gulf of Mexico all the way north, including a bit of Saskatchewan and Manitoba, especially where a lot of most of the Canadians would be living. And uh, from Quebec, um, here Florida, Texas, uh, Dakotas, all of that. All of that is what? One floor. <laughs> one level. I'll call it level, not floors. I'll call it one level. Where else are we going? 1,500 miles high. Hmm? How high is that? Well, 1,500 miles. <laughs> so just to give a bit of a visual about what this new Jerusalem will be, you know, kind of like considering our own country. So 1,500 miles times 1,500 miles is 2,250,000 square miles. Now, that would mean that... Um, so 5,250 feet high for each level, that would be saying that if you would have one mile for one level, you would also have 1,500 levels of 2,250,000 square miles each. And in that case, if, if each person were given one square mile, that New Jerusalem would hold 3,375,000,000,000 people. Uh, but that would be limited to one square mile or its equivalent. Um, space, uh, any problem? <laughs> we might say, oh, that puts me too far away from all the rest. Because <laughs> we're a very social people, and so we like this getting together, right? Of course. Will there be any problem in heaven? There'll be no problem in heaven. None. Whether it's having enough space, or being too far removed from all the others. No problem. <clears throat> and this is only the capital city. People will go in and out because there's gates. So if each level was one mile high, and each person had 10 square miles, each person, 10 square miles, there would still be room for 3 billion 375 million people. That's the New Jerusalem. I have here the references in Psalms, and <clears throat> I think I want to read Psalm 57 and close somehow with at least one scripture. So Psalm 57 and 5 through 11. 
Be thou exalted, O God, above all the heavens. Let thy glory be above all the earth. They have prepared a net for my steps. My soul is bowed down. They have digged a pit before me and the midst, into the midst whereof they are fallen themselves. My heart is fixed, O God. My heart is fixed. I will sing and give praise. Awake up, my glory. Awake, psaltery and harp. I myself will awake early. I will praise thee, O Lord, among the people. I will sing unto thee among the nations. For thy mercy is great unto the heavens, and thy truth unto the clouds. Be thou exalted, O God, above the heavens, and let thy glory be above all the earth. And once more, men, are you ready? Say it. Amen. Will you please stand for prayer? O oh Lord God, our Father in heaven, we give you thanks in Jesus' blessed name for the direction that you have chosen for us. We thank you that we are selected as the sons of God and that you have provided for expansion so that we Gentiles, so that Jew and Gentile, whoever it may be, can be saved by Jesus Christ our Lord. Blessed be your eternal and everlasting and powerful name for that. Thank you, dear Lord, for this time this morning to be refreshed in your word, to be excited about the future, to be ready unto every good word and work. And so, Lord, we pray that you would direct our going out and our coming in, even from this day forth until you come again. Bless the work and plans, dear Lord, for those brothers who want to move to Connecticut that that expansion can be done with much grace and with help, O oh Lord. You would prosper their ways in an abundant measure. Thank you, Lord, for the willingness of people to go to other places, voluntary service, mission work, places to visit the prisons, times of helping to rebuild, the various kinds of ways, O oh Lord, that you give direction and expansion to, for the children of God to be represented in, throughout the world. Thank you for the promise of the New Jerusalem. Thank you, Lord, for the promise that someday we will be caught up and thus to ever be with the Lord. Dear Lord, we pray that you would uh, direct us in your good way. Cause us, Lord, that uh, our light can shine brightly for Jesus. We pray that you would direct us in further in this day of rest, that you could be uh, glorified for you certainly are worthy. Thank you for Jesus, our Savior. Thank you for the hope that we have, the promise and the hope, and the, um, the oath, O oh Lord, that you have made, that surely all that you have spoken will come to pass. We bless your name, and we pray that our children and our posterity may ever be the faithful ones to further carry on the work of the gospel, the work of the church, and the continuing a direction from you and expansion even until the Lord Jesus will come again. Blessed be your name forevermore. Amen.